Well, like Brad said, um, if I haven't met you, I am Jeff Lowndes, and my wife and I have been a part of this church for quite some time now, and I am one of the lay elders uh, helping love and shepherd and care for uh, our family. So I'm super excited to be here, and it's so funny how God works, because I didn't plan to teach about the Holy Spirit this week in alignment with Pentecost. He just, he just totally lined it up for us. Maybe Tripp and Brad planned that, but I definitely didn't. Um, so it's, it's really, really so great. So, you know, we've been discussing for the past few weeks, uh, Brad did a great job of talking about how Jesus has saved us from our sin, and then he's talked about how Jesus is saving us from our sin. So he saved us once, and then last week he talked about this process of sanctification, how Jesus is transforming us. Um, and so today, uh, we're going to be transitioning, Paul transitions, to talking about a lot about how we've been saved, and now he's going to talk about what is life like, and particularly with the Holy Spirit. How do we live life with the Holy Spirit? And... Um, the main thing, uh, before I jump into some prayer, is that today, if there's anything you take away, it's to remember and be encouraged that we have been saved by the gospel, you have been, um, if you are in Christ, to live a life with the Holy Spirit, to, to walk with the Holy Spirit day in and day out. Um, you're not alone. Even if you're married to someone and you may not always feel super connected, you are not alone. <laughs> um, and especially if you're walking through life and don't know what it holds in the future, I've got good news for you. Because God does know what his future holds for you, and he's walking with you day by day. So Paul's not going to go into a lot of depth into that. What he does in these four verses that I'm preaching on, just four verses, is he grounds us in how this is possible. And it may be a message you've heard before. There may be some verses in there that you've heard these words that we are not condemned. Um, and they could just walk, rinse over your, your head or go over your head and you can go on with your day. But I want to pause uh, and pray for us. And I want to ask you all to pray. And I want to invite you all to like ask the Spirit to encourage you, to ask the Spirit to, to speak to you. Because the words that I say... Um, as much as I've prayed over them, uh, I need the Spirit to speak through me. And, I, and you all need the Spirit much more than me to encourage you. So I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to pause for like 20 seconds and just invite you to ask the Spirit to do work uh, through me and, and, and through uh, other people. So I'm going to pray. Um, ah, thank you for Pentecost, God. Thank you that you uh, have sent your Spirit to walk alongside of us. Um, our church would not be where it is uh, without you leading us, without you guiding us, without you drawing people in, without you building us up, um, and without you sustaining us. So I pray that, that you would take this message of the gospel that we may have heard a lot, and I pray that you would make it rich in my soul, that you would rem remind me of my hope today. And I, I just want to give you all like 10 or 15 seconds, I'm going to pause and just invite you all to ask the Spirit to, to reveal anew, reveal afresh uh, the good news that we have. So I'll give you just a second. You can pray to yourself.
Okay, let's come back together if we can. Awesome. Well, four verses today. So let's look at the first two of them. Uh, we're, we're in Romans 8. So I'll give you all a second to, to open up your phones uh, or your Bibles to get to Romans 8. Uh, we're just looking at verse 1 today. Give you all a second to get there. You can pull out your, your phones. And I think it's on the screen. Thank you. Whoever's controlling that. <laughs> so Paul says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Hmm. So he says, therefore, Paul says, which is transitioning, like I just said, from all the great stuff we were talking about uh, in the last few weeks. And then he starts out with this really good news. He says, if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation for you. Thank you. (laughs) There's no condemnation for you. There's no judgment left for you. And he says, he teases out what we've all been talking about for like, I don't know, a couple months now. He says, we've been set free from the law of sin and death, which is God's law that revealed our, our, our shortcomings, that revealed our inability to actually honor him and love him. He says, you've been, you've been set free from that. And in some ways, our culture, and I think you and me, we try to avoid judgment, like, daily. We, we try to, I try to avoid being judged by my boss, judged by my coworkers, try to perform to a certain level, try to avoid judgment from my spouse, trying to love her well, but oftentimes it's like just trying to like live up to a standard. I'm trying to not be judged by our society. I'm trying to say the right things at the right time. Like the, the cancel culture that you all probably have heard that term is real. I think it, it's, it is uh, coming up from this, this longing to not be judged anymore, to not be condemned. And as a Christian... God holds nothing against you any longer. Not just today or, or what you've done in the past, but for all eternity, there is no judgment for you anymore. That's such a good reminder for my soul because I find comfort in duty. I find comfort in saying, let me work for something and earn my place. But Tim Keller says it, really, he put, a, he put a, a point on it. He says, Christians who forget or don't understand no condemnation only obey out of fear and duty. But that is not nearly as powerful a motivation as love and gratitude. It's like when we marinate on this reality that there's no judgment left for us, it, it produces this deep thankfulness because we've not experienced that anywhere else. And like I said before, I can find comfort, because it's what I grew up in, in, in living in duty and obeying by duty. But it's not nearly as, as, a, as a sustaining force, as a, as a comforting hug that, that this love and grace is. It kind of reminds me, um, well, not kind of, it does remind me uh, of marriage. 
it's, it's you, if you sin against each other, if you hurt each other, you're legally bound uh, still <laughs> in marriage. Um, and, and, and so it's, it's really a matter of love and relationship that, that you're having to work through. And it's the same with God that when you are a Christian, you are in a marriage-like relationship. You are bound together for eternity. And so when you offend each other, it's no matter a legal I- issue. It's, it's an issue of love and, and relationship. And so this doesn't mean that when we hurt each other, uh, it's like, hey, I'm not condemned, so whatever. Like, I still think there's a very real healthiness to feeling the weight of our sin. Like, we hurt each other. We hurt ourselves. Uh, and so I'm not dismissing that. But this good news is that, that you can experience that and then together or individually quickly run to this deep well, never-ending well of God's grace and drink deeply from it every day. Every day you feel shame or you feel like you haven't measured up, there is a, a well of grace that will always be there to drink from and be brought back to who, to, to, to really what reality is. So you have no condemnation. Um, and in verse 2, Paul says, that we are no longer, uh, no longer under the old law, but we're given to this new law of the Spirit, which Brad did steal my, some of my thunder there, but I'm going to preach on it anyways, because it's really good. Um, and it's what God had been talking about for hundreds of years uh, before Jesus came, now thousands of years. And I think there's a couple passages uh, that God spoke about this in the Old Testament that just adds such beautiful color uh, to what this reality of living under the law of the Spirit is. And so the first text is in Ezekiel, uh, and it's 36, uh, 36, 26. And he says, I will give you a new heart. God's saying this to, uh, through the prophet to Israel. He's saying, uh, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And then in Jeremiah, he unpacks it a little bit more. And he says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them out by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. You hear that like marriage, uh, marriage analogy ring true even back then. God continues, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, uh, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. He's speaking about us in that passage. He is putting a a fine point on how we get to relate with God, how you get to relate with God today. He's saying, hey, this covenant, which which brought condemnation on us because we just so clearly fell short, I'm giving you a new one. He says, I'm going to literally do heart surgery on you and replace your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh, And in so doing, like Brad already teased out, he's going to actually give us the Holy Spirit to make us whole, to live as whole people as God made us to live. 
And Paul's going to unpack that in just a second. What does it mean to, to live as a whole people again, to live with the Spirit? But before he does, he just, he just teases why this is possible out a bit more. And he says in verse 3, For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. So why is all this possible? You've heard this before, but hear it again. Like, be reminded of this, that he sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh to become a sin offering for you and for me. Like, just pause on that. He sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. The Spirit really worked in me as I was preparing for this message and, and he, he, he kind of lit me up one morning uh, by the way that this biblical scholar describes what Paul meant by he, Jesus came to us in the likeness of sinful flesh. Thomas uh, Schreiner says, The Son did not merely resemble human flesh, but he participated fully in sinful flesh. This does not mean that the Son himself sinned, but that he participated fully in the old age of flesh, and that his body was not immune to the powers of old age, of sickness and death. Indeed, the Son was affected by the power of sin, although he did not sin himself. This Greek word then denotes this full identity of the Son with sinful humanity. Man, it's just, in order for Jesus to, to make this, all of what we talked about so far, to give us a new heart, to give us new life, to walk with us day by day, Jesus subjected himself into being in one of our bodies. That he could, he could, he could get sick. That he could, he never experienced fatigue and weakness before. And then he came down here as a carpenter I have to imagine he experienced some tiredness and fatigue there. And he subjected himself to it. He subjected himself to needing rest. He subjected himself to injury. He subjected himself to the full spectrum of human emotion. From mourning over people who've died, all like, in the, man, yeah, mourning over people who've died, like so many of us have had to experience and. It feels like so many ways this past couple of years. To the elation of seeing people brought back to life. This is what Jesus did for you and me. And it wasn't just these big moments either. You know, he, he, he fully entered into the fragility of human relationship. Those big moments suck and are really great. But the, the thousand knives of being in relationship with broken people is hard. Of loving others and investing in others to watch them leave you, to watch them hurt you, um, to watch them bring joy to you too. Jesus entered into this life fully for you and me. And we're praying about our neediness today, and we will at the end, and I just... Man, this is such good news. This is who our God is. 
that he can empathize with you and me, that, that he, he, knows, he knows the neediness, that he's explored it, that he's lived it. And then on top of that, he cares about you enough to sit with you in it still. Our God is so wonderful. I'm praying you be worshiping him right now. He's so wonderful. And he didn't just do this to like make us legally free of condemnation either. He has more for you and me. He says, he says in the next verse, and so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those echoes, the law of the spirit is what we live by now. Strong connection to Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And he's saying, you've been given a new heart so that we may live whole lives with the Spirit. Whole, whole minutes and hours and afternoons and days and nights with the Spirit. This may remind you of um, our prayer for this year and our goal for this year. It may not because you may have forgotten it, which is okay. But it's that we may live in resurrection power. Remember that as I ring a bell? And we may live as a people in resurrection power in this world that seems to be coming back to life. And this resurrection power was very intentional in, in what we prayed over. It's by walking your days with the one who has the power to resurrect you. That, that the Spirit literally resurrected Jesus' dead body to life. And now that is the same Spirit who has been given to you and me. To resurrect your dead soul, your weary soul. He, to resurrect you now and then each day afterwards for him to patiently resurrect your anxious, your tired, your weary life over and over again and to give you new life. This isn't just meant for the Sunday mornings and the Wednesday nights, this life with God. It's meant to be in the cracks and the crevices of each day. You know, it's, the, it's, it's like what I, just, what I just said. It's the mornings and the nights. It's, it's the, the, the meetings at work. It's the, the coffee breaks. It's the doing the laundry. It's the doing adventures with family. I, for me, it's in, it's in those mundane things of life where I need God most. It doesn't wait for Sunday morning. It doesn't wait for a family dinner time. It's when I have a, a really bad meeting at work and I'm super stressed about how I'm performing. It's where I let Allie down and I'm short with her. I'm short with my 10-month-old daughter, which I didn't even think was possible, but it definitely is. <laughs> um, it's, it's when you get tough news. It's when you wake up still anxious from the night before and you can't shake it. This is, this is what he means by living uh, life with the Spirit. So as I was prepping this week, um, Lenny has been walking a lot more, and not on her own. Unfor well, unfortunately, it's like a bittersweet thing when they can walk on their own, is what I'm told. Um, but it means we've been holding her hands a lot and doing one of these. You may have seen Allie or I walk around here uh, trying to walk her around. I bet you, I would bet you $10 that she's probably making Allie do that right now. <laughs> um, and, you know, she doesn't realize how dependent on me she is. Uh, she doesn't realize that uh, 
when I let go, she will fall uh, until she's actually falling, until she's scaling our couch and then thinks I'm gonna be there, reaches out and then just starts tipping like a slow motion movie. Um, it's then that she realizes her deep need. And uh, God just reminded me this, this week that I'm a lot more like Lenny than I realize. You know, um, I like plans and to feel secure. And I, I plan a lot. I like to secure my life. I like to uh, perform at work, work really hard to, to make sure that, that everything's going on in my life pretty well. Um, but what I've been reminded of lately is no matter how much I do that, those things always fall short. They're not actually secure. They feel secure for a day, for a month, for a year, for five years. But then their, their insecurity always comes up. And I just felt like God was reminding us this week that he, he knows that and he is reaching out his hands to hold us and to help us walk through this life. That it's okay to feel that and to experience that and that's why he's like, I call you to walk with me day in and day out. Embrace your childness and embrace your lack of ability to walk and walk with me. Live in, in my resurrection power. And heck, maybe he even allows you and builds you up to be able to walk on your own a bit. And he's still there to kind of walk with you along. This is the greatest comfort I've ever known in my life. And I'm just praying that you all would, it, if you've experienced this, that you'd reconnect with this this morning, that you'd reconnect with God and reach out to him. And if you haven't, if you haven't known God's love that is way more consistent than anyone else will ever give you, that's way more secure than anything else, that gives you a hope, that gives you comfort, I pray that, that you would ask him for that this morning. That you would explore what that means to have that in your life. And if you're thinking, okay, that sounds great, but what does that mean tomorrow? How do I do that? Because I've tried that before. That's where I went. I have good news. We are in a prayer series. Prayer series. And for the last three weeks and for the next three weeks, we're exploring what it looks like to walk with the Holy Spirit in prayer. To walk with God. To share your needs. To reach out for the hands that guide you when you're falling. And so please press into that. Practice building a breath prayer. Practice Lexio Divina and read scripture with God. Um, explore that with your MC, by yourself, with your friends. Because um, yeah, our team and our leaders here, we're just praying that in this season we'd be regrounded um, in this reality that, that we are called to commune with God and to walk with God. And He's not some distant relative saving us and saying, I'll, I'll see you in heaven but he actually wants to walk with you today and tomorrow. He wants to help you make the big decisions and the little decisions in life. Um, he's not just giving you a clean heart once. He, uh, like Brad talked about last week, he's gently and powerfully calling us to confess our need, to receive the grace, to receive his encouragement, to receive his power, and to take another step with him. So I'm going to pray for us. Um, and we can wrap. God. 
Thank you for saving us. Thank you that for not just leaving us and saying I'll see you in heaven, but walking with us each day and giving us a helper. I am needy, God. I am anxious. I need you. And I pray for our family here today that you'd be revealing our needs, but also uh, meeting us, God, and washing us with your grace, washing us with your presence, and that we as a family would learn in a deeper way what it means to walk with you this week. We love you so much, God. We thank you. It's your name we pray. Amen.